Welcome to Permission to Kick Ass, a podcast about leaving self-doubt in the dust, punching fear in the face, and taking bold action toward your biggest dreams. I'm Angie Coley, and let's get to it. Hey, and welcome back to Permission to Kick Ass. Today with me is my friend, Liana Patch. Say hello, Liana. Hey. Liana and I happened to meet up uh, in person back when I was in New Orleans a few months ago, and we got together and had some bomb-ass tapas. And where else did we go? Uh, it doesn't matter. But the point is, I love hanging out with Liana, and she is fucking hilarious. And so I want her to tell you all about her business because it is based on being hilarious. Man, so much pressure. What a bold <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a conversion copywriter, mm-hmm. uh, and my whole thing is using humor to help convert and to build relationships, mostly for e-commerce and software brands. Uh, and I find that the question people have most for me uh, apart after they go like, Oh God, no, I can't do that. It's like, <laughs> um, it's like, but my industry is special, but I can't because whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. Humor is universal. We all like funny people. We all like funny stuff, like use it to sell things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my whole, my whole deal. Oh no, that's so great. Cause <laughs> I, I, Oh God, I'm trying to figure out what I can actually say. Thanks to, to non-disclosure agreements, but I recently worked on a, a promo with a group where let's just say that toilet humor was the strategy that we used. And that was a smart move because their audience definitely got out their wallets for for the poo jokes. I love that. It's so rare, but when it happens, it's so great. (laughs) And it's, and it can be so much fun too. Like, I I don't know. We we've come so far, I think, because I remember when I was first getting started in business, I have these two little tiny wrist tattoos. And of course, people can't see the video, but I'm demonstrating to you. So Liana can see them. And when I first got them, my dad was like, you're never going to be able to get a job. You get those visible tattoos. Well, now that I've covered myself with way more visible and way more colorful tattoos, and I'm still working. Uh, We know that the norms have shifted a little bit, but like, you don't have to be button down and sound professional all the time. I mean, you comport yourself like a professional, but you don't have to be serious. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's one of the things I wanted to, to talk about was like when I was shifting between, uh, my, the old incarnation of my business, which, you know, after like seven or eight years, I found myself stuck in just editing, mostly publications, editing a lot of copy editing, but also like content editing where I'd go back and forth with writers and be like, Hey, this doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> is this rewrite? Okay. Like I was, I'm one of those editors. It's like, I'll just, I'll fix it. Just give it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not educational, not helpful. Um, I hated it. And I was like, I don't like this business that I built what am I going to do? And I got really burned out and I got a full-time job. And within like three weeks, I was like, I have made a huge mistake. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've made a terrible mistake. Um, And uh, that's when I joined Joanna Weeb's first copywriter mastermind. And I was trying to figure out like, what is my new direction going to be? And I said, I wish I could just merge copy and comedy. And she was like, 
well, you can. And I Mm -hmm. had another friend that also gave me similar permission, but I had started dipping my toe into humor a little bit before that um, in my emails with clients and in this weekly column that I was writing called Fashion Friday, which was like where I would find things on Etsy and make an outfit, but then also make fun of the things. (laughs) It was real weird, but it was my favorite thing to do. And the captions were especially snarky. And I feel like that's where I first started to have more fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I realized when I was writing to clients, instead of being like, "Eh, eh, eh, excuse me, I'm your copywriter. Like, please, blah, blah, blah. Just to get out of my own way and be like, hey, how's it going? Here's what I need from you. Thanks so much. Like, oh, hey, we're having a problem. Like it just lowers the barrier to interaction Mm -hmm. uh, between two humans. And it's like being more friendly and casual is a great way to get a reply to that email that the client is sort of dodging, you know, like you're checking back in with somebody. Uh, Death by a thousand overly professional sounding emails. Yeah. (laughs) Just circling back around, just, just Mm -hmm. looping back, just nudging. And per my last email, bitch. Let's, (laughs) let's cut that from the, the communications vocabulary completely. Oh God. No. And I think that's great that you pointed that out because I think like we get this idea in our heads of what constitutes professional But then especially since you get to run your own business and you get to call the shots and like I'm sitting here yet again in my Jack Skellington hoodie that I love so much. um, People like working with people they like. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, if button down, stick up the ass stuffiness is your jam, I'm hey, no judging here. I don't particularly get along well with those people. I find that they chafe at my mere presence. Yeah. Same. Weird. Weird how that works. <laughs> they don't like me very much. I'm very loud. I drop too many F-bombs and I'm very prone to like, hey, this sounds fun. Let's go do it. And then running off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot in common. <laughs> I know. But then embracing that side of myself and tapping into that as a strength instead of trying to hide it actually wound up being what helped my career take off too. So I, I think that that's great that you brought that up. Yeah. And also, I mean, not to like beat a dead horse or whatever, but there's, there's a middle ground between like the super stuffy corporate person that nobody wants to be. We all know we don't want to be, but then like, you know, all the way over here, there's crazy and unprofessional, Uh, but people need to get more comfortable in this space. And especially when they're in a situation where they feel threatened, like becoming mindful of the fact like, oh, this is going to be a hard topic to raise with the client, or I'm going to have a tough time writing this email, they tend to retreat back behind that wall of like, well, how would a professional say this Mm -hmm. instead of going the opposite direction and being like, what does a human need to communicate to another human right now? I know. Oh God. Somebody was giving me a little bit of grief earlier because they know that one of my favorite coaching lines when someone is, when I'm coaching a new freelancer through a pricing challenge with a client and they can't figure out what price to quote their client, they're, well, they're, they're just pushing back and they're asking me how much, how much. And I said, okay, this is my favorite response to somebody that says how much, and they won't answer my questions. Are you ready for this? How much does a house cost? And, and they're like, but you can't be that big of a smart ass. I'm like, I do, but I do it with a touch of humor, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like what you do, Leon. I said, how much does a house cost? I promise I'm not trying to be a smart ass here, but as you can tell with buying a house, there's going to be a lot of different factors, location school district, number of rooms, how recently, a whole bunch of questions that I need answered before I can tell you how much this house will cost. Mm -hmm. The same goes for this project that we're working on. So I really wish I could read your mind, friends, but I can't. So if you could just answer these questions, I could get you that price. I promise I want to get you a price, but I need to know a lot more. And then it just kind of 
it doesn't become like me trying to hide the price from them and trick them into something. Cause I feel like that's the dance that gets played a lot. Like I'm trying to get as much money out of you as I can. I'm trying to get as much work out of you as I can. And like, mm-hmm. it, it feels adversarial. I'm like, no, but there could be a win-win and we can yeah. have fun. And when you're obviously more secure on like what you do and don't provide for services, then you can be like, well, it sounds like you want this thing. I don't do that, but I can do the other part of it for X dollars. Mm-hmm. So much easier to lay that line down. So, And you have permission to do that, <laughs> just to belabor the title of this podcast a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, you don't have to do everything just because it feels like you should or because a client asked you to do it. Um, no is a totally valid answer. I mean, give it a little bit more context because they're probably going to want to know why instead of just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and then like, that's one of those, the, those situations where you can actually build trust by saying like, that's not my realm of expertise. Like, here's who I'd recommend. And they're like, oh my God, thank you so much for disappointing me <laughs> because you were real and you didn't just try to like shit something out that wasn't good because you don't do Google AdWords, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I often tell people if they ask me if I manage like the back end of email service providers and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, you don't want it. you don't want me anywhere near the buttons, bro. <laughs> like you, if there's a way to mess this up by just pushing a single button, I will find the nuclear option, my friends. Don't put me in that situation. Keep me in Google Docs where I belong. We will all be much happier for it. Yep. <laughs> like you have a process, I have a process. Let's not break each other's processes, okay? Yeah, exactly. Like, here's what I'm good at. This is what I, this is the sandbox I like to play in. Let me introduce you to somebody with a different sandbox that will help you with your other problem. (laughs) So many sandboxes. (laughs) All of the sandboxes. That's great. There's only poop in one of them. (laughs) My brain went to the exact same. (laughs) We had to, right? (laughs) Oh, that's so fantastic. Um, And I thought it was great that you brought up like, okay, so I'm, I'm in editing hell. I don't really like this. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to go back to corporate for a little bit. Mistake, not doing that. And I thought that it was great because so many people think if they make a choice like that, that it can't possibly be undone. Like I have to commit to this. I have to stick to this. But then that wound up being actually the impetus that got you down the road toward what you're doing now. Yeah. Like I moved from something that I hated to something that I really hated uh, and was like, <laughs> oh, shit wrong direction, like <laughs> didn't need more work, more clients and bosses Yeah, needed to do something totally different. And I think the struggle for me for a long time was that because I'm really good at editing, that's what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's such a great point too. I think we all fall into that trap at some point. Like I'm really good at this. So this is what I should be doing. Right. Yeah, but does it actually light you up? Does it make you happy? Or are you just kind of meh at it? It's not going to be happiness. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. But if you could get to like an 80-20 or like 80% of the time, I really like this business. I'm glad I made this choice. And 20% of the time you're like, fucking clients, I, I hate taxes. Yeah. Uh, then you're, you're, you're sitting pretty. So uh, tell me a little bit more about the work that you're doing these days. Because I know we talked a little bit about getting into humor and copywriting as a service. Uh, and then we went off the rails a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... 
let's see, 2016 is when I sort of shifted gears. And then uh, over the past few years, I've productized some of my services, which I highly recommend because it's so much less of a pain in the ass. It's really nice to have something that you can just recommend to people when they come in. Uh, There's services I know I enjoy, all of that stuff. So many reasons to productize your services. Um, but right now I'm doing mostly day rate days, uh, landing page optimizations and rewrites. Uh, and here and there, I'll take the odd custom project like website copy or an email series in Klaviyo. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that's really awesome that you brought up productized services because I think that's the natural evolution from someone that say, like they quit a corporate job, they go into freelancing and they're trading, you know, basically time for dollars again, a service for, for money then you have to figure out how to leverage this. Otherwise, you're basically hiring yourself as an employee to just work. And you're the boss. So treat yourself nicely. Don't hire yourself as an employee. The productized service, which is basically where you take this service that you do and you you create packages from it. You create basically a repeatable, rubber stampable formula that you can sell to each client. Some people do. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't have like templates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I have like deliverable templates that have okay. logo on them or, or whatever, but I, I have, um, s- like scoped services. Mm. So when they buy the thing on my website, it's going to be, you know, their work, it's going to be built from what they send me. If it's a landing page that I'm rewriting, they'll send me the original page, uh, and I'll rework it, uh, mm-hmm. based on the scope of that service, but it's not like. I put it through, you know, a mill and it comes out into this thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely I probably said that. Wrong. <laughs> I think I'm, no, I think I'm just being precious about it for Not. some reason. No worries. <laughs> and I think it's good to get clear on that too, because there are other options beyond just like selling the service and not every service has to be custom. And, and so streamlining your process a little bit like that, this is something that I do often. So I have a system for it. I know how to do this. This is fairly straightforward work for me. Um, and then you know what you charge for that because you know how much work goes into it, then that helps you really just streamline your operations. And the the point that I wanted to circle back to was when you said make recommendations, because I think that's a big trap that freelancers get stuck in all the time too. I know, or maybe I'm just the only one, but I have a feeling I'm not the no. only one that made this assumption. I went out as a freelance writer and I was like, they'll hire me. They'll tell me what to do. They'll just... They'll just give me an assignment and I'll tell them this is how much it is. And it just works like that. No, yeah, no clients don't know what the hell they want. <laughs> and, and they, and the more you charge, the more they expect you to tell them what to do. Exactly. Like that's the counterintuitive thing too. Like the less you charge, the more they kind of boss you around, the more yeah. you charge, the more they expect you to be like, no, this is how it works. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm the expert. I've seen hundreds of these pages. Here's what I think we should try. And they're like, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One fewer thing that I have to think about. All right. So abrupt segue from that, because I really want to circle back to the humor aspect that we were talking about and really kind of, I mean, you don't have to be someone else's definition of funny. There's kind of an art to this, to tapping into your personality and finding what that humor feels like, what's right for you. So you want to talk a little bit more to that? Uh, yes. Um, because this is something that my coach just made me cut from my, uh, second version of my course, which is that there are so many ways to think about sense of humor. We'll bring you know? it to life here. Second yes, life. That you'll hear it nowhere else because it will no longer exist in the course. And it didn't exist anywhere before that, except for like a textbook. So good luck. Um, 
like there are so many ways to think about having a sense of humor. You can be a person that appreciates jokes, but doesn't make them. You can be the life of the party. Uh, you can be, you know, really crass and rude. You can be a wit. Uh, you can be kind of like the dark humor or the punchline person, like, you know, the zinger mm. at the end of the conversation. There's so many different styles and senses of humor and ways to interpret them that it's not just like this on off binary. Uh, and so what I advise my students to do and what I do with my clients is figure out what genuinely feels funny to the people who are most in charge of the brand voice, like who's informing the way the brand sounds and how we want it to sound. Mm -hmm. And like, who are they as people? What do they think is funny? What are they reading? What are they watching? Um, what kind of memes are they using in Slack? Do they have any of those little custom Slack, you know, emojis? What are the elements that we can figure out there that overlap with their customers or their users? And like, I have this Venn diagram in the course that is nice. still in there uh, where it's like jackpot, this little middle segment where your humor and your user humor overlaps. And like, yeah, great. The people, everybody loves it. It feels authentic. Users like it. Like that's where to pull from. So it's not just starting from this blank slate of like, oh fuck, I have to be funny now. What? Mm -hmm. And I bet that makes the creation a lot easier too, because it's not this wall of resistance, like exactly like you said, oh fuck, I have to be funny now. Yeah. You can literally just have fun with it and kind of lean into that humor a bit. Yeah. So you're asking people what they find funny, right? And anytime you have a conversation with people about what they like, they are automatically going to tell you what they don't like. And that's a really important thing to say too. Like, who are some comedians that you really hate that turn you off that are too, um, you know, crass or gross or uh, real for you? Why don't you like them? So just, you know, naturally being a copywriter that like is interested in people and why they think the way they do, you're going to ask these questions anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're just interested in people, you're going to get the answers that you need to figure out what's authentic and funny and feels right. I think that's an important distinction to make too, like where, where that line is and what is too far <laughs> with that same NDA thing that I can't really talk about. I do remember that the first draft was like way far into adults, like shit humor and verging on very disgusting late night <laughs> comedy stuff. And when I looked at it, I was like, okay, so I know I told you to go full ham on writing this. Uh, we need about half ham and more family friendly, like G rated, maybe PG a little bit, but like, <laughs> you gotta take all of the shit out, man. <laughs> and so, and um, I mean, it did, it did really well, but we kind of had to take it too far in order to bring it back. And then the yeah. humor that we found in scaling it back wound up being even more funny than the first draft. I think it's easier uh, sometimes to go overboard and then kind of edit it back or like rein it in than it is to like not be edgy enough because then you don't know where to stop. Like, you know, when you've gone too far and you know, when you reach the acceptable, like optimum <laughs> level, but if you're just sitting over there being like, I don't know, maybe a pun, then you're never going to know <laughs> when you get to the right level. Yeah, it's better to go too far than to play it safe and like not yeah. push it at yeah. all. Because um, that's what everyone's doing. Of course, playing it safe. I listened, <laughs> a little bit of a, of a segue, but I listened recently to an interview with Michael Bolton. And I this is because I had gone down a random rabbit hole watching Pirates of the Caribbean. And there's this goofy uh, song done by the Lonely Island with Michael Bolton. Uh -huh. or, yeah. I'm this familiar. is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow. Yes, <laughs> Fantastic. So and he did this interview. I can't even remember what show it was on, but he was telling the host about how 
when Andy Samberg and the guys came to him with this concept, like the first draft was way vulgar. And Michael Bolton was like, uh, no, please redo this. And then he didn't hear back from the memes like, okay, so they probably passed on this. They're busy dudes. It's fine. So like six months later, Andy Samberg actually comes back with another draft and it's even further than the first one was. <laughs> and Michael Bolton's like, we kind of went like in the wrong direction. If we could bring it back, that would be great. And so then the third draft came back a little while later and he's like, yeah, this is good. I can roll with this. But I thought that was funny that like even the funny guys like that go way too far. I wonder if they were trying to go so far that they'd loop back around to being acceptable because sometimes <laughs> things are so absurd that you like appreciate them as their own. Like that's another la- layer of the humor. Mm-hmm. Like that I feel is like true. Mighty Boosh was like that. Oh, I didn't, I don't think I ever watched that one. I've only seen a few episodes, but it's, it's way out there. It's just a British sketch show with Noel Fielding and another guy whose name I can't remember. And that's where old Greg comes from. Oh, I remember uh, Noel Fielding because I saw him on the Great British Baking Show and also also the IT crowd where he yep. was just this random goth guy that was hidden. It, it was always like, go back to your room. Yeah. <laughs> what are like, you doing out in the sunlights? <laughs> yeah. Uh, side note on Bake Off. Uh, so I'm a huge Bake Off person. Um, he's one of the newer hosts and he cannot keep his humor family friendly. If yeah. you watch it, he's just constantly making sex jokes mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, and they're like, no, no, this is a family show. Tone it down. He just can't. I so, know. Like, I remember once where he like, he had drawn a face on a wooden spoon. And of course, like I'm gesturing on the camera and nobody's ever going to be able to see this. Ha sucks to be you. Like, he had drawn a wooden, a smiley face on a wooden spoon. And he kept getting close to contestants and being like, do you like the spoon? Do you want to touch yeah. this? Do you want to kiss the spoon? And He's I was like, like, kiss the spoon. Kiss Stop him. It. Let him give you a little kiss. And all the contestants, yeah, they're like, what are you doing? Like, I'm on national television, like trying to bake for my life <laughs> and you're harassing me with a spoon. So oh, that I think is almost a cautionary tale, even though it flies because they edited it. Well, like, uh, and the story still got out though. Like, even though they edited it. So yeah. Yeah. Like, it's funny, it's acceptable, but it's maybe not the best match, whereas I feel like Mel and Sue were a greater fit. Mm-hmm. They were fantastic. I miss um, them. <laughs> I do like Matt. The, he's the newest host, and sometimes he just has, like, this way of staring at the camera and doing nothing that's absurdly funny. And I don't even know what, I don't understand why it's funny, but just the fact that he does it cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sold on him. Uh, <laughs> Another point it, towards humor is subjective, though. So it's yeah, great. exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. I could talk about humor stuff all day. I'm going to ask you to share a little bit more about where people can find you, especially since oh, yeah. you've got a course that they could take. Yeah, uh, I'm at punchlinecopy.com and I do non-funny small things over at snapcopy.co, <laughs> which is a great way to advertise that, right? <laughs> Come find me for small projects, you know, that aren't funny at this other place. Um, and I'm on Twitter at punchlinecopy, sharing way, way too much about my life. Yeah. And, and we share a love for cats. So we're constantly updating each other with cat stuff. So if you need that, we are your girls. Oh yeah. For sure. Thank you so much for coming on the show and we're going to have to do this again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's awesome. So that is it. Another awesome episode of Permission to Kick Ass on the Books. 
If you want to know more about the show, if you want to know more about me, Angie Coley, and the mission I'm on to help entrepreneurs punch fear in the face and do big, bold things, then head on over to permissiontokickass.com. That is all one word together, permissiontokickass.com. Make sure to sign up for my email list so that you know whenever there's a hot, fresh, and ready podcast episode out for you. And also on Mondays, I like to send out a little newsletter called Kick Monday's Ass. I'm sure you're totally, totally surprised by that. So thank you for being here with me today. I'm Angie Coley. Make sure that you share this with a friend that needs to hear this message today. Like it, share it, comment wherever you're listening to this today. And let's go kick some ass.